Greetings, Cross Point Church, and a happy Mother's Day, especially to all the mothers who are tuned in and watching with us today. Carolina Parker is our guest speaker today. She's a graduate of Kingswood University, and she is co-pastor with her husband, Jason, at Woods Harbor Wesleyan Church down in southwest Nova Scotia. Carolina was our speaker at the rally, the ladies uh, rally that we held here back in February, one of the two speakers on that day, and much enjoyed and appreciated by all the, the ladies that heard her, and we're delighted to welcome her here today. She's the mother of two and soon to be the mother of three due to have a, a new baby later this month. Before she comes to share with us, let's speak to the Father. Father, we thank you for this day, for this special day. And Father, we pray especially today for all the mothers who are watching. I pray for the moms who are stay at home and full time and in the trenches of raising children every day. I pray for the moms who are serving in dual roles. They have a, a job out in the workplace and and also raising children at home. I pray for the mothers who are most stressed out and under pressure because of COVID-19 restrictions and it's disrupted their regular routine. I pray for them today. I pray for grandmothers who perhaps not in the direct role of raising children in these days yet still have that great influence. I pray for them today. I pray that all the moms listening would feel appreciated, affirmed, encouraged, and especially loved today. So as Pastor Carolina comes and speaks to us, speak to us, I pray that you'd speak through her today. We ask it in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Hey Cross Point, thank you so much for having me this morning. My name is Carolina and I live on the South Shore of Nova Scotia. Some of you might be familiar where Yarmouth is, we're handy to there. And we, my husband and I, pastor a church together called Woods Harbor Wesleyan Church. We have two little girls, Charlotte and Grace, and currently expecting the arrival of our third baby any day now. And, you know, it's just been such a joy. You know, I'm think, thinking back being able to have spent uprising with some of you back in February and now to be with you again today. I'm thankful to have the opportunity for both and I hope that you are having a great day. Happy Mother's Day and I'd love to speak to those for a minute who find Mother's Day to be a little more challenging. Maybe you're grieving or longing um, to celebrate maybe you're grieving the loss of a mother or maybe you're you're longing to be a mother and this is a particularly challenging day for you i hope that my prayer for you is that you just experience god's grace just his overabundance uh, mercy and grace today as you see those instagram posts those facebook posts i pray that you would just experience a touch of his grace today in your life and for those of you who maybe would say Mother's Day doesn't apply to me, I'm a man, I'm tuning in. Maybe you were tempted to skip out on church this morning. Well, you know, I'm 
I want to say thank you. Thanks for tuning in anyways. And my prayer is that you would be ministered to in some way by the Holy Spirit through what God has put on my heart today for you. Can we pray? God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy in our lives. We're so grateful for who you are and the way that you call us to be part of your family. That you invite us to be part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves and that you are not um, limited to working in certain certain atmospheres, certain locations, but you're capable of working wherever we're at today. So wherever people are finding themselves today, those that are listening this morning, would you minister to their hearts? Would you speak to them? Would you minister your grace to them? We love you, Father, and we're here to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who doesn't love a good story? I love telling a good story. I love listening to a good story. I love reading a good story. And like I said, I have two little girls, Charlotte and Grace, and they're at this age right now where they're just so attentive when I read them a story. For the most part, I can get through pretty well a whole story without interruptions or questions. They're captivated. They're, I find them being more and more captivated by the story. And I love reading stories and I love telling stories. And so this particular morning, I declare to be story time. I felt led to share my story with you along with two other women who inspire me, women that I look up to as well. One in scripture and another one who you'll find out about a little bit later, but I felt led to start off by sharing a bit of my testimony with you. And the reason for that is because I believe what the word of God says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And there's something powerful when you give witness, when you testify to what God has done in your life. And so I challenge you this morning, if you have an opportunity to share about what God has done in your life, to give testimony to that, take it. You never know who it's going to minister to or how God wants to use you through sharing that testimony that God has done in your life. So starting off uh, just a little bit, I guess, about my background. I grew up in a Mennonite culture. I was born in Chihuahua, Mexico. I know that all sounds crazy. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm telling you, I can't make this stuff up. So yeah, we were all born in Mexico except for the youngest sibling. There was 10 of us and we traveled back and forth to Mexico probably about every year or two until I was about 18. And I want to help you understand the background I came from just to bring clarity, just so you know kind of where, where I'm coming from and how God drew me into a relationship with him. So um, if you were to if you were to put a scale, one to 10 for Mennonites, 10 being Amish, one being pretty lenient, um, not really being able to tell the difference between a North American and a Mennonite, I would have fallen around a seven on that scale of one to 10. So I grew up in a pretty strict home with a lot of restrictions and to give you an idea, um, I wasn't allowed to cut my hair. I wasn't allowed to paint my nails. I wasn't allowed to wear pants. I had to be in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. And um, and something that something that's so beautiful about all of this, though, is there was such a reverence for God. You know, I respect to this day, I respect my parents for the reverence, the fear of the Lord that they have, and that has been instilled in me as a result of my upbringing. However, what grieves my heart 
is the lack of relationship that was there. Everything was was so legalistic. It was more about do's and don'ts that that we missed out on this beautiful relationship with our Heavenly Father. And even though I admire and respect my parents for that reverence, um, you know, I wasn't until I was 19 that I was actually drawn into relationship with Jesus. You know, this legalistic lifestyle led to what I call just a mini rebellion. I was living a double life and maybe rebellion isn't the right word, but I was a flat out hypocrite. I lived a perfect life in the eyes of of the church. I was there early with my parents. I helped lead youth group. I was in the Sunday school classrooms helping teach the children all the Bible stories. But then when I was outside the church, I was a totally different person. I lived a very ungodly lifestyle. I struggled with a lot of different things and um, it just wasn't pretty. <laughs> Living hypocritical is just ugly. And it wasn't, like I said, until I was 19 that God drew me into this relationship with him. He piqued my curiosity at a book study one night and this conversation about being born again came up. And I knew after reading John chapter three where Nicodemus confronts Jesus, God put a desire in my heart to want to be born again, to belong to the family of God. And so that night when I got home, I asked Jesus to come into my life and to be my personal savior. And as a result of that, a desire to want to know more about scripture came out of that. I wanted to study the Bible. So I did what anyone would do. I started Googling Bible schools and I came across uh, five different schools, five different provinces, and I started to pray into them. And that is where I came across Kingswood. And I felt called to go to, go to Kingswood. And a lot of you are familiar with that school. It's somewhat down the road from you in Sussex. And you have to understand that um, I grew up in I grew up in southwestern Ontario. That's where my family moved from or moved to when we moved from Mexico. And um, so it's it was about 18 hour drive from my parents. I didn't know a single person. My enrollment counselor at the time had gone on mat leave, so I knew nobody at this school. Yet I felt such a pull, such a call to go. So I said yes, and I went. And as a result of going, the Lord opened so many incredible opportunities to do ministry. I remember my very first time ever telling someone about Jesus. And better yet, I remember my very first time being able to be a small part in praying with someone to become a Christian. To play such a small part into ushering someone into the kingdom of heaven is so rewarding. And there were so many other ministry opportunities that the Lord opened. But most of all, I want you to hear this this morning, that I'm no one special. God desires to work in and through you if you say yes to him. Okay, I am blown away over and over and over again by what God is able to do in this little Mennonite girl's life because she said yes to Jesus. And the second woman that I want to tell you about also said yes to Jesus. And her name is Mary. And you would be familiar with her. She's in scripture. Her name's Mary Magdalene. And there's not a whole lot that we actually know about Mary. Um, but yet, I just, I love her story. I'm captivated by her love for Jesus and 
the way that she is obedient and devoted and committed to her Lord and Savior. And so I want to read from John chapter 20 today. If you're following along, if you have if you have a Bible uh, handy, maybe it's on your phone. I'm reading from the NIV version. If you're able to track down that version, it's chapter 20. And I'll be starting at verse 11. Give you a minute to get there. John chapter 20, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. That's simple. Tell me and I'll go get him. <laughs> Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. These seven verses are jam packed with good stuff. First of all, we've got this stone that is in a place that it shouldn't be. We've got these angels just casually hanging out in this tomb. We have this conversation between Jesus and Mary. And last of all, we have our very first evangelist ever. Although it, it took a while for Mary to recognize that it was Jesus, let alone go and give witness to that. Um, you know, it's possible that Mary, it's possible that Mary could have been blinded by her own grief and she didn't recognize Jesus right away. And, and I believe that Mary's mind was so focused on the fact that, that Jesus wasn't in the tomb where she thought he was supposed to be, that, that Jesus had to draw her focus back into what really mattered at hand, that the tomb was just an empty grave, an empty cave to be disregarded, and that what really mattered was his resurrection, that he was alive, and that he wanted to send her to go tell his disciples. And I know that I know that this is not Easter Sunday. I know that. I know that this is Mother's Day. And my prayer is that through this woman's story, you would be inspired and encouraged and even challenged as you hear what is on my heart through this story. You see, when Jesus got Mary's attention, he said to her, go tell the others. She, she did. She ran and she told them. She said, I have seen the Lord. And you see, you have to understand that that she, yeah, she had to move past her grief to be able to do that. But the fact that she said yes is so significant. She didn't need an education to go and tell these disciples what she had seen. 
And the reason it's so significant is because the rabbis at that time would never have considered teaching a woman. A woman of a woman was considered to be someone of a lower status. So if anyone were to give witness to Jesus' resurrection, it would have been them. It would have been the rabbis. It would have been a high priest. It would have been someone of a higher status, but definitely not a woman. But I love that God chooses someone that no one expects. No one expects a woman to go give witness, to be the first person to give witness to the very resurrection of Jesus. And what does Mary do? She, she goes. She doesn't say, no, 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 no. No, I can't do that. You do not understand Jesus. They're not going to listen to me. I'm a woman. I'm someone of a lower status. I have zero education. You don't know my past. You don't know where I have come from. I can't give witness to that. No, she doesn't say that. She says, yes, she runs to them. I love how God chooses someone that no one expects. And she says, yes. Are there things that God is asking you to say yes to? Or better yet, are there things that he's asking you to say yes to that maybe you feel unqualified for? Or maybe I should ask this question first. Are there things that maybe we're blinded by that we don't even realize that Jesus is trying to grab our attention? In what areas maybe of our lives are we missing Jesus, like Mary first missed Jesus outside the tomb? Are we overlooking him because we're too caught up in something else that we're actually being blinded to him and what he wants us to do? Allow your heart to hear the whisper of Jesus. You know, Jesus got Mary's attention by saying her name, Mary. We don't know if he whispered it, if he yelled it, if he hollered it. We have no clue how he said her name. But it was through him saying her name that he got her attention. So how many times has Jesus had to say your name to get your attention? So you've heard part of my story. You've heard part of Mary's story. And there's one more woman's story that I want to share who inspires me. Her name is Grace, Grace Tilestad. And maybe that name is familiar for some of you. Maybe you have no clue who that is. I guess maybe if you've been in the Wesleyan Church long enough, the name kind of rings a bell because she's part of the Wesleyan Church. She died in 1980 and she was born in North America when her parents were on furlough. They were home as missionaries to South Africa and they moved back when she was just four years old. She was six when she got baptized and at the age of 16, the Lord began to burden Grace's heart for those who didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so when she discovered that she could reach people through children, that's exactly what she started to do. And let me tell you, when she rang that church bell, the children came running and God enabled Grace to lead all 32 of these children to the Lord. He was through God's enablement. She led them into relationship with Jesus in less than a year. And at the end of that year, she was just 17. She had to go back to Canada on furlough, but she told these children, she said, I will be back. However, she was quite surprised when God asked her not to return and she struggled with it, but she found ministry to do. She was at home in Canada for eight years before her and her brother were commissioned actually at 
Beulah Camp. She was commissioned at Beulah Camp, her and her brother, to go back to South Africa to do ministry. And when she arrived back in Africa, she was shocked by the number of infants and mothers who died because of childbirth. And so what she ended up doing, Grace being Grace, she became a certified midwife, opens up a clinic and starts to be able to help these people in these villages. And as a result of her medicinal work, she was able to give witness and actually um, spread the gospel even more because of her medical work. And she was so evangelistic at heart that these just went so well hand in hand. And she would visit and she would walk up to five miles to visit um, and pray with some of these people. And it's actually recorded that some of these people became instantly healed when she visited and prayed for them. She uh, served in isolated locations and walked miles to be able to minister to these people. And she died, like I said, she died in 1980, but gave 55 years of her life to serve the Lord. Now, why does this matter? Why in the world am I telling you this? You see, because in those eight years that the Lord asked Grace not to return to South Africa, she was actually in the South Shore of Nova Scotia doing ministry. She was here in Woods Harbor. She lived, this is crazy, she lived off of free will offerings, ate bread and butter, toast dipped in hot water, and she ate toddle. Anyone know what toddle is? It's pork scrap potato soup. So for three months, um, after it was just three months after Grace got to Woods Harbor that she organized a church. She started these meetings in a community hall where they were forced out of, but in the midst of this persecution, there was revival. The Lord provided property for them, a house. He provided an organ and some pews. And before too long, they had this church. And maybe you know where this is going. That church that I'm talking about is my home church, Woods Harbor Wesleyan Church. Grace Tilestad is the founder. She is the one who planted Woods Harbor Wesleyan Church. You see, when the Lord asked Grace not to return to Africa, he burdened her heart for the South Shore of Nova Scotia, and she said yes. She said yes. And as you've probably been able to do the math, the common denominator between these stories is that they said yes to Jesus. And it's not that myself or Grace or Mary are anyone special. They were obedient. They said yes to Jesus. So this week, I want to ask you, this morning, I want to ask you a particular question. What is God asking you to say yes to? Is he asking you to say yes to being patient just one more time? with that child that is pushing every button in this challenging season of being quarantined? Is he asking you to say yes to considering adoption? Is he asking you to say yes the next time there's an opportunity to pray out loud? When is the last time you said yes to something that seemed so crazy to everyone else, but he was asking you to say yes? 
Yes, it might not feel like there's much that we can do in this season of so much restriction. You know, we've had to say no to a lot of things these days. We've had to say no to going to those parks and those playgrounds. We've had to say no to meeting in church buildings right now. We've had to say no to those coffee dates, maybe that drive-through or going for a drive with a friend, having family and friends over. There's so much that we've had to say no to, but this morning I wanna challenge us to focus on the yeses. What is God asking you to say yes to as these restrictions are slowly gonna begin to lift in our provinces? We're soon going to turn return to a new normal. And what is God asking you to say yes to as you prepare for those restrictions to lift? Is he asking you to start that Bible study in your home that you know he's been wanting you to start? Is it finally inviting that coworker to church when those doors open up again? Is it discipling that new believer that's been on your mind? Is it time to say yes, to pursue that call of ministry that is on your life? Is it time to say yes to that volunteer position that has opened up at Cross Point? Is it time to say yes to encouraging that friend that has been on your mind all week? Is it time to say yes to forgiving that family member? Is it time to say yes to mending that broken relationship? that you can't get off your mind. You see, for, for Mary Magdalene, it was saying yes to going to tell the disciples when it seemed that no one would believe her as a woman of a low, considered to be of low status. For Grace, it was saying yes to staying in Canada and planting a church. For myself, it was saying yes to a call to ministry, to giving my life, to being a small part of ushering people into the kingdom of heaven. So this week, what are you going to say yes to? What is it that God is asking you to say yes to in this, in the midst of this season of so many no's and restrictions? What is it that God is asking you to say yes to? Can I pray for you? God, we thank you for this challenging season that we are in. Even now as families try to figure out how to celebrate these moms that are so worthy of, of so much celebrating, who do so much day in and day out for their families, and yet they can't go anywhere to celebrate. Um, in the midst of this challenging season of, of restrictions, would you show us, Lord, what it is that you're asking us to say yes to. Maybe many of us already have that one particular thing. We know, Lord, what it is you're asking of us. Would you give us a boldness? Would you empower us by the Holy Spirit to say yes? We want to be a yes people. We want to be a people that are raised up by your spirit to be obedient to who it is you are calling us to be. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you are not, again, uh, limited by, by boundaries or by where we're able to gather, but that you're capable of meeting us right where we're at. We love you, Lord, and we're thankful for what you're doing.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. It's been great to be with you today. I hope that you've been encouraged. And if there's any particular way that I can pray for you, just shoot me a message. And I would love to be able to pray with you. God bless you.